Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Democrat versus Democrat. The past versus the present. The big CNN Democratic debates are now in the history books. How have they reshaped the race for the White House? This is the state of America. This is the CNN Democratic presidential debate. This idea is a bunch of malarkey. As expected, frontrunner Joe Biden was the top target on that stage. There were multiple instances where Joe Biden misspoke. You invoke President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient and then dodge it when it's not. My party attacked the Democratic president Barack Obama's policies more than they attacked Donald Trump's. What the heck are the Democrats doing here? This guy is so popular. 95% favorable rating. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Baldwin in New York. To our viewers watching around the world, this is State of America. 20 people took the stage over two consecutive nights of debate hosted by CNN this week. 20 candidates who want to win the White House, all of whom are dying for the chance to take on Donald Trump. But first, they have to survive the primary and even survive the debates. Josie on me, kid. Go easy, Joe Biden says. Go easy is the exact opposite of what happened for anyone on the debate stage. The gloves definitely came off, especially when it came to the front runner, former Vice President Joe Biden. Your plan, by contrast, leaves out almost 10 million Americans. So I think that you should really think about what you're saying. Mr. Vice President, your argument is not with me, it's with science. And unfortunately, your plan is just too late. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you want to compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. But unlike the first Democratic debate at the end of June, Joe Biden came ready to fight back this time. I find it fascinating. Everybody's talking about how terrible I am on these issues. Barack Obama knew exactly who I was. He had he had. 10 lawyers do a background check on everything about me and civil rights and civil liberties. And he chose me and he said it was the best decision he Thank made. Thank you, Mr. But if Joe Biden thought Barack Obama would be the final word on that matter, he was wrong. In the most surprising twist of this round of debates, several Democratic candidates weren't just going after each other. They went after the former Democratic president and his policies. Mr. Vice President, you can't have it both ways. You invoke President Obama more than anybody in this campaign. You can't do it when it's convenient and then dodge it when it's not. First of all, Mr. Vice President, it looks like one of us has learned the lessons of the past and one of us hasn't. Why is that so surprising, you're asking? Well, not only because Obama's clearly not the president they're trying to replace, but also because Obama enjoys about a 95% favorability rating among Democrats, and I'm not exaggerating. You don't have to be a political scientist to understand that might not be the person you want to target. At least that's what Biden is banking on as the dust settles on the debate. 
I must tell you, I was a little surprised at how much their incoming was uh, about Barack, uh, about the president. I mean, uh, I, uh, I, I'm proud of having served with him. I'm proud of the job he did. Uh, I don't think there's anything he has to apologize for. But back to the debate stage. The last time they took the stage, Senator Kamala Harris made waves and got a pretty big bounce in the polls after her pointed attack on Biden. This time, Harris was the one fending off the attacks. She put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, you owe them an apology. Harris fought back, but didn't offer up a real comeback until just after the debate was over. This coming from someone who has been an apologist for an individual, Assad, who has murdered um, the people of his of his country to, like cockroaches. Um, she who has embraced and been an apologist for him in a way that she refuses to call him a war criminal. Um, I, I can only take what she says in her opinion so seriously. Serious, though, is definitely the best way to describe most of the debate on uh, night two, although a few candidates did make sure to get in a few funny and memorable one-liners during the night. Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. The first thing that I'm going to do when I'm president is I'm going to Clorox the Oval Office. And the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes math. Speaking of math, it was the major sticking point of the big fight on debate night one when healthcare took center stage. More specifically, the math of Medicare for all and the clash of the progressive left versus the moderate center, it was on full display. The liberal desire to overhaul the entire U.S. healthcare system and replace it with an entirely government funded program, something the moderate candidates on the debate stage say is a step too far. Bad policies like Medicare for all free everything, and impossible promises. Wish list economics. Yes, I have bold ideas, but they are grounded in reality. The progressives, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, they responded with some fire of their own. I don't understand why anybody goes to all the trouble of running for president of the United States just to talk about what we really can't do and shouldn't fight for. Medicare for all is comprehensive. It covers all health care needs for senior citizens. It will finally include dental care, hearing aids, and eyeglasses. But you don't know Second that. of all. You don't know that, Second Bernie. of all. We'll come I, to you in a second, I do know when I wrote the damn bill. Back and forth they went on health care throughout much of that night, and it should not be surprising since it consistently polls as the top issue for Democratic primary voters. At the end of the day, I'm not going to support any plan that rips away quality health care from individuals. This is an example of wish list economics. It used to be just Republicans wanted to repeal and replace. Now many Democrats do as well. We are not about trying to take away health care from anyone. That's what the Republicans are trying to do. And we should stop using Republican talking points in order to talk with each other about how to best provide that health care. Speaking of Republican talking points, Mayor Pete Buttigieg delivered one of the big applause lines of that night, reminding his fellow candidates what they will be up against come the general election next year. It is time to stop worrying about what the Republicans will say. Look, yes. if, 
if, if it's true that if we embrace a far left agenda, they're going to say we're a bunch of crazy socialists. If we embrace a conservative agenda, you know what we're, they're going to do? They're going to say we're a bunch of crazy socialists. So let's just stand up for the right policy. Go out there and defend it. And as if almost on cue, the next day, Donald Trump quoted a Republican senator saying this, the lesser of two socialists is still a socialist. So if the big fight on health care wasn't surprising, this was. The person who may have gotten off the easiest on the debate stage was none other than Donald Trump himself. So much so, Senator Cory Booker even called it out during the debate. The person that's enjoying this debate most right now is Donald Trump as we pit Democrats against each other while he is working right now to take away Americans' health care. So things we know after this round, Democrats are not afraid to take each other on, and they are also not quite ready to take on Donald Trump. So let the 2020 fun continue. So with both nights in the books, who's in the best shape heading into the next phase of this race? And what did we really learn from the clash between left and center of the Democratic Party? Our panel weighs in next. They may have been center stage, but Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they are the far left of the ideological spectrum of the Democratic Party, flanked by more moderate candidates from much more moderate states. So how was that fight going to play out was one of the many questions going into this week. What are the answers then coming out? The panel tonight, SE Cup is here, host of CNN's SE Cup Unfiltered. Rob Astorino is a CNN political commentator and a member of President Trump's 2020 re-election advisory committee. Basil Smichels, a former executive director of the New York State Democratic Party. And Paul Kane, lovingly known as PK amongst friends, is a senior congressional mm-hmm. correspondent for the Washington Post. All right, friends, let's take through some of, I think, some of the big questions that folks had going into this week after the first round of debates. PK, you get the first one. Will Sanders and Warren clash once and for all? They did not, but why? Well, I mean, you looked at everybody else on that stage. The other eight candidates all pretty much were in that moderate lane, and they were throwing incoming at both Warren and Bernie. And at this point, they just it wasn't in their advantage to go after one another. I think that happens when the field gets smaller and there are only maybe five or six people fighting. But in that point, it was more about defending their ideological flank. Uh, Which against... they can do better together. Yes. Well, absolutely. but at some at some point, the band's got to break up. Yes. I you know, agree. Bernie, Bernie and, and Elizabeth Warren are kind of like a, a murder mystery. And some, you know, one of them at the end, you know, and Agatha Christie, and then there was one. There can't be two. You're not going to have a tied nomination. And Bernie is still saying, I'm never going to go after Elizabeth Warren. It's just not good politics. I don't understand how this is supposed to end. They have to take each other on and distinguish themselves from one another. Elizabeth Warren has to tell progressives, here's where I'm different from from Bernie. And maybe it's that I'm a Democrat. Bernie has to tell tell progressives why he's different from Warren, otherwise, you know what's going to happen? They're going to split the progressive vote and Biden's going to get it. Well, I think that's why Elizabeth Warren, it was advantageous for her to use that strategy, because if you notice, from time to time, she would then pivot to more universal, let's all get along, this is the kind of party we should be. And I think for her, that's really important and distinguishes her from Bernie, who essentially runs against the party. She's an actual Democrat. Right. and, and, and And actually has plans where Bernie sort of articulates problems very well, but she can do that and talk about 
how to solve them. So in that sense, for him, I think it was advantageous because it takes some weight off of him. Yeah. But for her, it's great because it actually gives her an opportunity to stand a little. So again, it's running, working right now for them. Right. But soon yeah. it's gonna, it, but there's going to be a, there's going to be a pivot change. point. Okay. Well, then, running for president is not like stepbrothers where you can like interview for a job together yeah. with your with your stepbrother friend. That was really you know you got it would be. Would be a but they have to dress a lot, right? <laughs> then there'd be the Catalina wine mixer. That's right. And anyway, okay, Rob. <laughs> Rob, another big question was, after Biden's lackluster first debate performance, was he going to be able to perform? Was he going to come out swinging? What's your review? Well, let's start with you're what's on the screen. You're a Republican and you're not a friend of Moderate, his, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Moderates and progressives. I think that's completely false, this narrative that has taken hold. It is progressives and ultra-progressives. That's who's on the stage. Because the so-called moderates, they're basically saying the same thing, just packaged a little bit differently. We'll get there, but let's do it this way. And so this whole thing that there's moderates, trust me, there are no moderates on that stage. I think um, Biden... Steve Bullock, I think you could say, is absolutely uh, a moderate. He is a Democrat who won in a Trump state. Trump won there by 20 points. Ultimately... He can't run far left. Well, I think when the pressure gets on him, and I think he... First of all, I think a lot of his positions are left. Now, okay, he comes from... Uh, Montana, so he owns a gun because everyone in Montana owns a gun, but that doesn't make you not a progressive. Listen to what he's saying and and what he's putting forward. I think they're all going to be far left by the end of this. Biden, though you're not friendly with him, do you think he did better? I think, well, let me take a contrarian view here. And I'm already starting to heal, not from Basil, but from some Democrats, that this whisper campaign is going to start on Biden's health. Mm. I don't think anyone who watched that debate... Are you just saying age? Well, look, because there's no I, concern I think there about his... Un- like- there were some uncomfortable moments during that debate when he was stammering, searching for words at the end when he couldn't even give his website. I think that's going to become a theme, an underlying theme that's not going to be from the Republicans. It's going oh, to sure it No, 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 no. I'm not sorry. There's no, no, there's no need to for Republicans sure to do that. you got 20 Why other Democrats. No, because I've heard it from Democrats. I've they've heard it from Democrats. prescriptions already written He has written about this ad nauseum. As a child, he had a wicked stuttering problem, yeah, and he was always getting picked on as a as a kid about that. But we didn't see that for eight that. years as vice president, and we really actually, seen there that were moments. If until, you would go back and look at the 2015 Stephen Colbert <laughs> appearance that got a lot of attention, if you watch Biden then, and, and in moments of pressure, it has come back. There are times when he does. And he does have a stutter. It doesn't. It, it it comes back every now and then. You just don't notice it because he hasn't done it very often. So, so look, he had a great opening, right? Which I thought was the best of the night. Yeah. He was uneven. It was mixed as the night went on. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, I don't know that he did himself any harm in that mm-hmm. debate. I think Corey. And when you're pulling as a front member, maybe that's right. what do you need right now? And Corey did extremely well for himself. Uh, and maybe Julian Castro a little bit. But I don't know that Biden, uh, if there was any real harm done to him. And I would also add, if you really look at the polling right now, in terms of progressive and mo- progressives and moderates, Biden, the moderate, is polling <laughs> at about a third. Between uh, Harris, between Warren and Sanders, they've taken another third. And the remaining third is split among people who I think are leaning a little more moderate. So I do think that the party is looking for some alternative between the old white 
Joe Biden, <laughs> with all due respect to folks at the table, all white <laughs> Joe Biden. Call me old. <laughs> right? Probably the, the, the old, the, the older me white, white, the old white gentleman in the room, and 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 very very progressive leadership. They want something that's younger and more diverse, and that's or they're wrestling with what, plays, whether or not they. And want that's that. where you kind of look at the lower, like the lower the tier. Lower if tier, if yeah. the upper tier, if I'm you know having to divide them up, it's you, you've got Biden and Harris and Warren and Sanders. Do you did you see in even in the two nights mm-hmm. a lower tier candidate? He mentioned a couple that you think made enough of a moment for themselves that it's going to help their campaign carry on. For Veep sakes, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, point. no. I mean, I thought I thought Michael Bennett really did. Um, himself uh, a a lot of favor in his performance. And same Steve Bullock. Um, I thought John Delaney made some really good, effective points for the so-called, and I agree with Rob, moderate is a very subjective term in this primary, but for the so-called moderate lane, I thought they really acquitted themselves very well. And if you're interested in that sort of moderating voice, you might have found them very compelling. You might at the very least want people like Kamala Harris Cory Booker to sort of lean in to them, Mm -hmm. listen to them a little bit more. Hmm. All right, coming up, Joe Biden is running on his record, and that very much includes embracing former President Barack Obama. But in a surprise twist this week, not all Democrats seem to agree, and President Trump is taking notice. We'll be right back. And the Democrats spent more time attacking Barack Obama than they did attacking me, practically. All right, so you remember all the talk on the Democratic debate stage this week about not using Republican talking points. Well, now it looks like Democrats may have given Republicans new talking points at the very same time, as you just heard there from President Donald Trump. It was one of the most surprising twists of the Democratic debates. Democrats going after the policies of the former Democratic President Barack Obama. So what is the real impact of this? Um, Basil, what did you think when you saw that happening in debate then the second night of the debate? So um, in my doctoral work, I've Ooh. come up with a scientific view of this, and my term is nuts, with a Z. <laughs> uh, well, it with is a Z. with a I Z. Like that very much. Um, I, Barack Obama can beat anyone on that stage if he ran today. And I do not understand how in, in, in someone's, in some strategist view, they believe that going after one of the most popular presidents of our time, certainly within the Democratic Party, um, is a good idea. Yes, you can determine if you have some policy differences with mm-hmm. him. I certainly have some policy differences with him, but I'm not going to go attack him. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put uh, put put Michelle Obama on blast. Like I'm not going to do that, right? And and I. So what I don't understand is why, as you said in the in the in the lead up, why we would adopt. Donald Trump's talking points in our own primary debate. That makes absolutely no and, sense. And, 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 and Essie, I want your take, but just so everyone out there knows, this isn't just like Basil thinks Obama's really well liked. I mean, if you look at the poll numbers, they're, they're almost like magical and mythical. Um, among Democratic voters, Obama has a 95% approval rate, favorability rate. Higher than Trump, Trump among Republicans. Yeah, higher than Trump. Mm-hmm. That was a good cue. Uh, in swing states, which of mm-hmm. course matter, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, among Democrats, Obama has a 57% favorability rating. But, Essie, what gives? I don't get it. Well, I don't think it's all that confusing. You go after Obama. Because it discredits the front runner. The front runner is attached to Obama. The front runner likes to talk about Obama. So it's sort of a natural 
I guess, shiv point. But, I mean, you, you have to remember, the, the Obama thing is a double-edged sword. Right. Yes, he's super popular. Mm-hmm. He's also not on the ballot, so going after him doesn't really hurt him. But the incrementalism of his policies in 2008 look by today's standards and today's progressive wing look to be really cautious. And Democrats want a revolution that he did not deliver. Mm-hmm. So there's really, if you're, you know, on the on the far left, there is no downside to saying, look, Obama didn't deliver what we must. And if Joe, Bo- Joe Biden thinks he's the, the salvation, well, he didn't deliver it either. Go ahead. But that's a reading of the Democratic electorate that is in the Bernie and Warren camp. Yeah. I mean, we were just talking earlier that there is a good 50 percent or more who are sort of traditional liberal, slightly moderate voters. Yeah. There's a lot of voters out there that still love Obama and going after Biden for Obama-Biden policies just reminds them, oh yeah, he was with Obama. That's why it's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. It, could, also, it could benefit it could benefit Biden, and you but also I don't think lay it's that out like a real struggle though for any candidate. How do they take on Biden, whose resume includes being the vice president to Barack Obama mm-hmm. without taking on that part of his resume. That's right. I mean, it's a real struggle for anyone taking him on. Well, I think Dr. Basil's uh, <laughs> diagnosis was right. I, mean, I sat there, my jaw was dropping during this debate, listening to them trash the eight years of Obama. Basically, they said, your, you know, Obamacare was a disaster, yeah. and we've got to have something completely new. Uh, and that, it's going to be say, the Biden cages soon. Tell me. Because it, oh, those Biden. cages were built but during the Obama administration. Do you think, could they have had the same effect and delivered an delivered the case, made made their case against Biden as effectively if they had said the time Obama's years were amazing. We're trying to build on it. Do you think it would have it would have been? Well, it's not working either way. It's not working either way. You know, and that's the issue. And to your point, Mm. I do. And this is I think your point is right on. Progressives are going to attack Obama, but that's exactly why we lost in 2016, because the, there were folks that supported Bernie that went after Hillary mm. as badly as Trump did. That's right. And that's right. That, that hurt us tremendously. And I think if we were in danger of doing the exact same thing um, this go round, I do think you can attack uh, go after Joe Biden on policies without necessarily attacking Barack Obama. I understand the need for separation. Right. You don't want to seem like you're the third mm. term of Obama. But we've also had Trump in the middle there. So there, so there's a way that you can, you can say that Obama was great. Let me build. That's a good word. Let me build off of what he's done to produce X. There's 36 years of Joe Biden before Barack Obama in the Senate. And where, how did he get in but trouble? But he also doesn't want you looking at those years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's where, if you're... at a very specific How did, how did uh, Kamala Harris get him so wobbly in the first debate. Oh. It was going after his right. positions as a senator right. and reminding that people that he was around in the 1970s. Right. So it hit in both directions without getting to Obama. Mm. I mean, but that's that that's also a double-edged sword. We saw Kirsten Gillibrand try to do that very badly uh, against Joe Biden in this in this last debate. I think you have to be real careful yes. what you hearken back to 40 from 40 years ago, from 30 years ago mm. that can look a little outdated and disingenuous and a little below the belt. Did you hear Kamala Harris a couple times she referred to 
Joe Biden as senator. I've been wondering. Yes. She did, very specifically did. And I am one because that, that, that also dig. came after you go easy on me, kid. And yeah. I was yeah, wondering right. if that it's was right. wait, could yeah. have been slip of the tongue, could have been I've been standing for two hours and now <laughs> I need to or it could, could have been, been intentional. Yeah. Exactly. The day Biden announced for, uh, for president a couple months ago, he took the train up to the Joseph R. Biden train right. station in Wilmington. And the Delaware voters actually were screaming, Senator Biden, we <laughs> love you. <laughs> <laughs> They will always after, think of him as their senator after first. After all of this, if de, so debate night one, if it was moderate versus progressive, debate night two was putting everyone on the stage, putting the records, mm-hmm. you know, under the microscope, including Obama's. What's the debate that is most helpful for Democrats of those two to execute the case against Trump? I thought that Cory Booker made a great point on that night, which is we have to have a laser focus on our attacks in this race against Trump and not to us, not to each other. We, we have to have some version, and I think some of those candidates got to that. We have to have some version of, is your life better off now than it was four years ago? And that is, what have you lost since Trump's been president? What has he taken away from you that we can build back? Well, and it continues. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, everybody. That's the State of America this week. Be sure to listen to our podcast. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. We will see you back here next week. Of course, Donald Trump is trying. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.